welcome to Shockwave Solutions, where we bring to life real-world actionable insights for direct response marketers. Today, we have Kyle Kosteka with ClickBank joining us for another episode. So Kyle, thanks for jumping on with us today. Yeah, happy to be here and join both of you guys. So um, especially, I don't know if we're supposed to say this, but the fact that we're recording it a second time is just super exciting. As much as I'm sure people would have enjoyed my screaming children um, that we couldn't hear for some reason, uh, I'm really excited to do it again because it was fun the first time. Perfect. Even better. Even it better. was fun the first time. Uh, so um, we we were able to kind of connect with you, Kyle, at a flight club event, and we had a lot of fun um, just kind of hanging out and getting to know you. And uh, we were talking about a few different things at flight club that we thought, you know, this would actually be really helpful and interesting to some of our listeners. And so we wanted to kind of essentially extend that conversation about um, some of these ideas and the way you're thinking about looking at campaigns, um, how to increase um, either sales and conversions and some of the topics that we talked about, and then also... Um, some of the ways uh, that you were looking at trends for upcoming uh, types of products and opportunities that maybe people may not be thinking of um, or positioning um, offers in a certain way that um, has a lot of opportunity, I think, to, to help people moving into you know, 2021 coming, coming forward. So we wanted to kind of explore that a little bit and, uh, and just have a conversation, have you on and have our audience get to know you. Awesome. Well, hopefully they like what they hear and ultimately they might not like me, but if they can like the value that I bring that's a win. Even better. It's a big ass to say, like me, by the end of a conversation. I, I don't want to make that promise. <laughs> cool. So um, one of the things that we were talking about that maybe I figured we, we could start with is um, you were talking about how you look at the opportunities for either positioning or um, you know, looking not necessarily what people were doing last year, but you had a little bit different perspective and take on, on the types of products and offers and trends. And I'd like you to share uh, with that a little bit with our audience. Yeah, so I think um, you're probably talking about specifically, I looked at politically what's been going on, understanding that something big happened around November this year that people seem to focus on most of 2020. Um, but we saw a change in guard from possibly the most rallying, like biggest conservative president that people freaked out over to now a Democratic president. And so one of the things that I did is I went back and looked through ClickBank's swath of data. We have tons of data. Um, back to 2016, last time we had a Democratic president in, in office and evaluated offers that were working um, and evaluated that vertical because it was actually the second largest vertical that we had at ClickBank at the time, which, which is our survival vertical and isn't mm -hmm. normal. Um, it's actually not even in the top five right now and hasn't been for the last four years. Not to say that people aren't still buying in that vertical, but it wasn't in the same way back then. Um, so some things shifted. So I really went and deep dove into what was working back then, understanding some of that stuff is going to change, but a lot of the stuff that we evaluated have been a consistent thing um, that, that's always been this way. It was this way before 2016 when conservatives feel afraid uh, mm -hmm. because their person isn't in control. Uh, there's some very consistent marketing trends, product trends, and things that we see that are very successful um, that I kind of went to and kind of pulled out some data. So I don't know where you want me to focus on directly. I'd love to, I could talk about the products. I could talk about the marketing, um, you know, and what I really think worked back then that'll translate now as well as some unique tweaks and hooks that I think mm -hmm. will change because of some of the topical stuff that we've seen. Yeah. Um, well, why don't we talk about um, some of the products that you think? Let's start there and then kind of work our way into some of the other uh, areas. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So, well, going back and seeing what worked before, some of this was a function of when ClickBank back in 2016, we were primarily digital products and a digital right. platform. Um, we did have supplements, but in physical products, but it was a really small portion of our business and still in the early stages. That's changed quite a bit over the last four years. Um, but understand that we still saw digital products um, that were oriented around prepping, 
or am, hey, what are the signs of the apocalypse, essentially? Like, here's the opinion of when I think the second coming is going to happen. Um, and then a lot of just preparedness stuff. So this is going to be, you know, how do you take natural herbs and things around your surroundings and turn it into painkillers? Or um, how are you going to make sure you have a defense system at home or making sure that you can protect it and malicious stuff? And um, a lot of that kind of survival prepper things, I think... Right. The products have been pretty consistent, but the part that was really different was the way the marketing um, was structured, especially in those VSLs, leading with strong fear-based hooks. It needs to mm. really tap into primal fear um, of, of a lot of various different things, but really lead with the end is nigh, right? We, we are on the verge of whatever you fear the most, and, and it's critical. We are, we've hit critical mass right now. My product is going to make you prepared so you don't have to be afraid anymore. Mm -hmm. Be afraid. The, all the things you've ever fear, been afraid of are happening. So now it's my product's going to make it so you could be prepared for the worst of the worst. Things that we saw very common um, was economic collapse. Um, and, and especially from a weak government, that's important to know. It's a little bit different now. Um, but in the past, it was, hey, the, the government's going to collapse. Uh, foreign threats, terrorism was still a really, really big thing. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have some terroristic threats come and blow out our grid or um, destroy all infrastructure. So you're going to be left with nothing. Um, so what do you do when you can't get access to any of these things? Right. Um, so, and then the other thing too, is just, I'd say uh, we had government collapse. We had um, uh, terrorist threats. And then uh, just in general, I think with economic collapse, what that does in terms of people, you know, breaking down your doors and things like that. So um, some shifts that I've seen from a product level for now um, mm -hmm. is some of those threats have changed a little bit. I'd say terrorism and where we saw like the standard terrorist for whatever reason over this past four years has not carried through. I think a lot of that is probably tied to, you know, if you look at, uh, I, Hey, I'm saying, I'm saying, no, I'm okay. Saying, I have to start arguing with you. I can't. Go <laughs> anymore. Okay. So I, I can't, I've been trying so hard. So do it. I, so very, very similarly to you, I've been looking at marketing messages from 2008, not 16, because that's when a very similar shift happened. It was McCain and Obama, and you had all of the same type of Trump people freaking out that we were going to have this half black president with the name, uh, you know, uh, what's his Hussein, right? Right. So people are freaked out about this. And I think we do have the terrorist things now. It's just a different narrative. It's the Mexicans are coming to get us. That's right. right? I'm coming. <laughs> You're not. You only yeah, use that for you only play the card, Travis. Stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> so um, but no, seriously, like I really think that. I like that you're going backwards and not looking at last year because last year is pretty much relevant to this year, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I really, when I was looking at messages that worked, I was looking 2008, people being afraid that their guns were gonna get taken away, people being afraid that um, someone who isn't of this country is mm -hmm. gonna be running this country and they're all saying that about Camilla. The economic crisis that we I dealt with in 2008, we're, we're dealing with now again. And so you've got both sides of the coin comparing 2008. Why wouldn't we look at the marketing messages from 2008? Because it's every single thing is relatable. It's just shifted a little. Does that make sense? So no, and totally. And I was actually products, say, I products think were definitely different. Products were definitely yeah, different. You didn't have people selling supplements, not like they are today. Like you mm -hmm. just did in 2008. That just wasn't a thing. But the marketing messages is what I've been like, what, got people to buy things that they shouldn't be buying they just they don't need buying. like no i mean it's some of the most ridiculous you do not need mres people like you don't like just please you don't need five thousand seeds to plant a garden 
Most of you are never going to plant a garden, wouldn't know how to get it to grow. And like, you just don't need these things. Uh, you have a garden, don't you, in Idaho? <laughs> you don't have it's a, a garden. requirement for state. Yeah. yeah. You don't have a grow. You have fake grass, Travis. Why do you keep lying to people? Just stop I said, it. I, I didn't say I had a garden. I said I asked Kyle if he had. A <laughs> well, oh, Kyle has a garden. Um, Look at him. He's uh, <laughs> yeah. Look at that beard. beard. He looks like he's everybody with a beard has a Amish. Garden. Yeah, he's an Amish person. Like clearly he has a garden. Yeah, I have one of those wooden fireplaces. It's just you know. I just assume your wife knows how to make frisada squirrels and on there well i think going back though a couple things you're right on the product stuff and that's why i didn't focus as much on the products because those products sold even after 2016 things switched over it's just the marketing message were totally different one of the best ones and one of the really this has been a stalwart in the survival industry and direct response is the lost ways um so lost ways is like lost hidden things about using herbs and other things to i guess just be more prepared and um homesteading if you guys ever looked at that it's kind of like a homesteading guide um, but talking with the people that own those products, the marketers in the survival space, they want to have access to the product, not to actually use it, but to say they have it because mm -hmm. they're fearful of the situation. They're fearful if they're not prepared when that situation occurs, they don't have the resources to go out and use them when this thing happens. Um, they just want to accumulate and hoard the preparation. And so your info products are normally not open. They're not utilized. If you actually have a physical book in flat media, which I'd strongly recommend, it'll probably never be cracked open and read, but it will be on a shelf somewhere in the event that that situation occurs. Yeah. It sounds weird because I don't think it's a bulk. It of doesn't sound, no, it doesn't sound weird to me at all. Like I get it completely. Yeah. Cause if you go, so if you look at 2008, there was this, um, I want to say it's Agora came out with this uh, book right? And it has all the different herbs and what you can use them for and how to use, it's like how to use oregano as an antibiotic, how to use um, different plants to, you know, fix burns or pink eye or whatever. And the way that they marketed it in 2008 was so smart. I think it was a girl, I might be wrong, but it, it was so, so smart. They were like, you, who protects you from big pharma, your government? Are you going to be able to trust this government? Mm -hmm. Don't rely on your children's lives. Uh, scarlet fever used to chill, kill children at a rate of, you know, whatever percent. Get our book for $14.99 and heal your own family. Like it was nuts. And I was looking at it, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And then I started looking at some of the statistics where it sold like crazy. No yeah. one ever read that book. No one ever read that book. They all still <laughs> no. own it though. I'm sure they have it put on a shelf somewhere um, or stored in a garage <laughs> yeah. for that moment. Because again, it's it's preparation for a moment that realistically is probably never going to happen. And every market if it knows ever does, they're ready. Yeah. They'll be ready. They'll be ready. Right. And that's the whole point. They want to feel secure in a right. moment when they're constantly feeling insecure. Right. So from a marketing perspective, you always want to drive up insecurity. You want to hit those insecure fear points. So when you provide your solution. Um, it, it's just, it's there to be a, an assurance, a comfort blanket, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I have this. So I feel a little bit less anxious, even though the marketing caused a lot of my anxiety um, by going through a VSL and, and, and highlighting all that stuff. But then once you actually have the product, you'll be like, okay, I feel good. And um, most of your returns are lower. If you do it that way, you think an aggressive marketing copy, you're going to have really high returns. If you get a product that feels legitimate, it has to feel legitimate. They could flip through it and you're like, oh, this is good. Or they could scroll through and say, yeah, it's got enough your return rates are still going to be solid um, because people don't actually want to consume the content. Do you really think mm -hmm. the majority of people want to use oregano for an antibiotic? No, they just want to know if they have to, they have that information available to them from some source that isn't mainstream. So then they think it's true. People are actually doing this kind of stuff and using a lot of these things are not going to direct response products to get that information. They have right. content blogs they go out to. Right. 
they're reading like really in depth, like textile books. Like, uh, yeah, they're going to these classes in Costa Rica for five weeks to learn how to do this. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree completely. It's, it's not, not a about, scalable market, but to bring it back, it's more exactly, but to bring it back, it's more about looking at the market in a time that was similar to what we were, we are in. And so 2019, we were not in anywhere of a situation as a country, as a people, as human beings at all, as Americans, as non-Americans, as Europeans, as world people. We were nowhere near where we are in 2020. It's, it's- yeah, there's, there's some real differences from a marketing message thing will change. Um, when what I meant by terrorists is I think, and I show, I actually did like a presentation on this, the image of that external threat mm-hmm. has shifted a little bit. And I think you're gonna see different things. Like the general fear is gonna be the same, like, for example, did we have the racial, um, I guess I'm trying to think of Tension. word for it, like instability or friction yeah. that we have right now with BLM, with- Yeah, in 2008, absolutely, absolutely. Who, who were those internal groups that we remember having? Outside the fact there was a black president, so, right? There's a, there's a fear of that. I don't want to get too- like, So in, in where I live in Austin, Texas, they li- I didn't live here at the time, but they literally <laughs> took a big black doll and hung it from the street in oh, Austin, Texas, and did a whole, they, I mean, they did this whole crazy march. So it was definitely going on. It didn't have the names that it has today, but those things were certainly happening. And so my, my whole point is just, and whether you're talking about 16 or 08, I happen to think 08 was a lot more like 2020 than 2016. But it, it, the point is, don't look at last year, look at a time right. that was similar. We even at the beginning of the pandemic, I went back and I looked at 1914. Did you really? But you probably we, did. We had a whole conversation about uh, Campbell's Soup. Campbell's Soup was nothing. It was right. a, I, I spent hours and I went on this crazy, crazy wormhole of- Like who were the companies to make it out of who that? Who were the companies that were just eh yeah. and ended up being hugely successful in the last pandemic? Campbell's Soup was one of them. Why? Because they took all of their budgeting and put it in marketing at a time where everybody freaked out and said, oh, this is not the time to be spending money on marketing and pulled their money out. Campbell's Soup was not a known name in 1914, in 1916, and all the way now in 2020, when you think of soup, if you say to your wife, go buy a can of soup, what kind of soup do you think she's gonna come back with? Campbell's soup. And so there's- Trader Joe's. There's, there's, <laughs> he's like, we just go out to the garden and my wife picks some <laughs> fresh stuff and we make it that way. Oh my God, anyway. Um, so yeah, I think we can move on from this. I think people get the point, but go go back in a place in time. Don't necessarily worry about, and, and this is for me and Kyle can say what you want, but, um, Look at the marketing message. Look what was driving people to purchase in the time that was similar to this time. Look at what people were doing that were succeeding. Um, mm-hmm. And look at what people were doing who were doing very well prior and didn't work out after. That's another thing I love to find out is what not to do is almost just as important as knowing what to do. Definitely. And oddly enough, still, I think one thing, it's really not odd if you've been studying the markets, but you still have this window where the standard survival products were still working. Like a lot of the Trump support stuff, we'll call it like the Trump swag is still converting like crazy. Um, and I, I don't know how- coin. The Trump coin, how are they selling? Two well, million dollars right a now, month in Trump coins. Yeah. Like how, how is that happening? Yeah. And I think, again, a lot of it before when the Trump coins started doing really well, it's a marginalized group, right? People feel like every attack on Trump is an attack on them. Mm-hmm. So to mm-hmm. show that mm-hmm. pride to continue to double down. Um, and there's still a shocking amount of people that are like still thinking it's it's going to change, right? It's not over. It's not over. Somehow, Hang it on. Like Biden is the like sworn in. They feel like, I don't know, Trump's going to swing in on a rope and kick him out of the way. I'm like, ah, I'm still here. You know, like I, I'm take that. 
just reading through a lot of the the forums and i wanted you guys that'd to, be so uh, great not, by the way that would yeah. regardless of whether you like trump or not that would just yeah. be entertaining it, it just, yeah, yeah 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 for sure go ahead kyle you were saying something Sorry. travis cut you off because he likes to do that one thing that is a consistent trend when you're building your marketing if this is a product you want to go and develop and i actually strongly encourage you if you can you have the tools to go develop an info product in the survival space it's just kind of going to be if there's an easy time to do it, when you have such a strong sense of fear, it, it's an easy time to go and collect those leads, mm -hmm. um, to collect those buyers and create a product for it. Um, but it's the insecurity of the fact that they don't have what they feel is representation, right? I don't have representation in my media. I don't have representation in my government. I don't have representation from like we could say big pharma or these institutions that are supposed to protect us don't yeah. exist. They've been broken. Um, so making sure you feed off that insecurity of I'm, I feel alone, right? These mm -hmm. outside threats are creeping in on me. Um, and those could be Antifa. They could be BLM. They could be our government. I think one thing that might shift too is a lot of the marketing was around a weak government was going to collapse and make our economy worse. Um, it was going to have external threats that would take over. Um, now we have this, it's kind of almost shifting to like a bigger government that's going to take over. So I, I see a lot more big government fears less yeah. than government crumbling. That might shift as things go along. But um, right now, that's what I'm really noticing is it's more of the overreaching. And that's where guns, um, socialism, right? I, I really, I love the idea of creating a financial product that says socialist, like socialist proof investing. Here's how you could be socialism proof with your, your investment portfolio. We have like a report that's going to give you 10 stocks you can invest in that are going to be socialist proof or investment strategies. I could just about guarantee that would crush right now with so much insecurity that people have and the, and the thoughts that socialism is going to take all their money and rip away their IRA. Same, same thing worked great in 2008, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. Like, look at the book, look at the book trends, look at the book trend. Glenn Beck, how to argue with idiots, how to stay away from socialism and comedy. Why are you laughing, Travis? I, it's just, yeah, I mean. That book was number one for 18, 18 weeks. Well, and that's the point though, right? Is like to look at what were the trends? What were the things that were happening? Because it's, mm -hmm. it's again, history doesn't repeat itself, but it has a tendency to rhyme is kind of the saying, right? So what were the trends? What were popular? And it, and it, maybe it's not even the products that you're looking at. I mean, we're talking the about message. products specifically, the but messages. it's a message, it's a tone, right? It's the angle of approach. And so if it was similar, you know, using that similar, in, in similar circumstances, a similar tone, and you're going to get a similar type of response. So look at the best campaigns or the best offers or the best tones that, that seem to get the best responses. Exactly. That's the tone and, and mimic that. I do want to so move on because we've talked a lot about this and I love this topic. I feel like Kyle, I, I could talk to you about that topic for hours and hours. I do uh, love survival products. Yeah, I, I, you, I, we talked about this before. I also love survival products. Um, not necessarily the dumb ones like seeds and MREs, but um, the, the Christmas stocking I told you I ordered for my kids. Yep. Um, that one I love. Oh, yeah. the, I have the backpack, the survivalist backpack, free plus offer. Yeah, buddy. Um, quick cancellation. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but in, in all seriousness, I do want to move on because you had announced something at Flight Club that I was so excited to let our listeners know about. And that was some things about data that you found. Yeah. So that, we're oh, yeah. going to shift from survival to supplements. Um, and it kind of already alluded to this. In ClickBank, we've seen a huge swell of supplement growth, especially over the last two years. Um, and it was, I think we had a 3000% growth over this last year in, in supplement volume and traffic. Um, so we broke that down. One of the things that we just analyzed all the data points we could, and the thing that stood out the most to us, and still like, I'm just shocked by it, is when we looked at the percentage 
um, when you look at the AOV, the overall AOV, the percentage of that AOV that was represented by the initial purchase was so much higher than I would have anticipated. So, I mean, we kind of were running under assumption between 50 to 60% of your, your total cart or your AOV would come from your initial purchase. And the rest is going to be made up through one-click upsells. When we looked at the top performing supplement offers, that percentage shifted from what our expectations were to actually showing to be 81%. 81% of the total cart came from that initial purchase, which just blew my mind and started to really make me understand how the affiliate payouts were sitting around $125 to $130 for these top offers. Um, their AOVs get a well over $200 um, because so much was happening with every single first purchase that those customers had. So imagine from a CPA perspective, you want to go out and buy a bunch of Facebook ads. Um, when you are getting, say, what we noticed was $170 for every single buyer, um, even with cost on supplements, which could, I mean, that, that could be pretty high margin. Um, that's a huge CPA that you could go out and just acquire, acquire, acquire. I mean, imagine if on Facebook, you could spend 130 bucks to get a customer and still break even. So your ability to scale just grows substantially. Um, and it was really, really, you know, mind blowing for us, which then immediately I went and said, okay, how are they doing that? How are they getting yeah, yeah, yeah. a large, um, you know, initial order, which uh, there's a lot of different tactics, a lot of things to break it down. Uh, but before we do that, I don't know, do you guys have any thoughts on just that data point alone before we go into maybe some things I saw of how people are accomplishing that? Well, cause you're talking about the higher front end portion of the, of the AOV, right? Average order value. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, yeah, like when you're looking in that, are you seeing, I'm trying to think of the way to phrase it, like, are, are you seeing that the backends are just not as strong on certain offers? Does that make sense? Like the top performing offers did they, like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm curious, like if there's like any trends that seem to indicate they were doing better on the front end because just the front end offer itself was good or did they not have something on the back end that was as strong to pull through? Does that make sense? No, totally. I think, uh, was it, did it look like their upsells were underperforming. Yeah. Um, so honestly, when we look, when we hold it out against standard take rates, they weren't, it's just, they got so much on oh, the front end. Yeah. It's just hard to replicate that throughout the rest of your funnel, even with standard take rates where you're thinking, I want 25 to 30% on my first upsell. Um, you know, I'm looking, still getting 10% on OTO two. And then after OTO three, I want to get between five to six and, you know, anything that's a percent afterwards is great. Right. Mm -hmm. um, at least that's what we kind of see. But what was just so different is those numbers were still pretty consistent in their upsell flow, but with a huge amount on the front end through bundling using kind of the one, three, six is the most common that we see yep. with your six bottle or six package, whatever your product or supplement is being between 200 and 250 is the price points that we see it worth. Not actually listed at 200. It needs to be 197, 199, 199.95. Uh, the rules of seven seem to always hold standard if one mm -hmm. finished with the seven. Um, I, I've tried it and tested a lot of different price points. It just always wins. I have no idea why. Okay. It's a weird human thing. We love seeing sevens and want to buy them more. I don't know. But um, the big focus and things that you kind of see is putting that six bundle or that high price option getting into around a 30 to 35% take rate of the three options. So people that buy, you're getting about 30 to 35% that take that largest option and then building all your incentives around, okay, I want you to buy this six bottle. Mm -hmm. um, so tactics to do that, moving into the center, making your middle option. I think a lot of people stack their offers like they read from left to right, yeah. wrong decision. Highlight six bottles right from the start. Boom, I want to make that in there. 
Um, when you're structuring the six bottle option, the one of the best things he is using like a BOGO instead of uh, mm -hmm. so hey, buy four, get two free. Um, buy five, get one free, depending on what your, your price points are. Uh, making sure you're highlighting the per bag bottle price. So um, you have your price control with your one bottle, you know, somewhere around 50 to $60 in that range. And then I'm getting a six bottle around 34 bucks. Um, and why that I think you see that's so different with supplement buyers is a lot of supplement buyers are not going to be people that want to take one supplement for the rest of their life. Right. Yeah, they really want to just buy a lot of supplements and try a lot of different things. They're going to be victim of the flavor of the moment. Um, and so that's where having this big, great bundle, I like to call it the Costco style deal, where I buy six of them, I get my best price, even if it's 250 bucks, I want that $34 bottle price, whatever okay. it might be. But we do, my math probably isn't metting what out. What we do in our 136 is we'll do $69 for one bottle. And this is what we do on our checkout page. So we'll have one, six, three, right? So one and three are on the side and six is up front. And so we'll $69 for bottle one and then $59 a bottle for three bottles and then $49 a bottle for six bottles. And we'll, we won't list that full dollar amount until the checkout. So they'll yeah. fill in all their information and then they get the, well, this is the total. Yeah. And, and, and then throwing, throwing a, another way to get the six bottles, just to add a little bit to that, another way to get the six bottles offer five, three to five page eBooks mm -hmm. that go only with the six bottle purchase and then do free shipping for the three and the six bottles. Definitely. So some sort of incentive. Um, I'm a big fan of premium bonuses. Um, so putting something like I said, eBooks, free shipping is always good for it. Um, I actually found a lot of success too from surprise bonuses and they actually do that. Mm -hmm. on you talked about this. Part, you right? talked about this last time. Yeah, it's when you mentioned your hate of frothers. So if anyone's Emma thinks frothers suck, but for a majority of people that buy supplements and like delightful drinks, everybody else except Emma yeah, that aren't Emma, um, using a like having a surprise bonus frother with a countdown timer on your your order form. Because like what you talked about, Emma. Okay, hey, I like the thirty four dollar bottle price. I go to the order form, and you you do have an element of a sticker shock there. But if I now throw, hey, if you buy in the next ten minutes or five minutes, depending on how much field they have to enter you're going to get a free frother with your shipment or a free t-shirt or a free whatever. Just these no-brainer things that people love. T-shirts people love. Um, it could be a water bottle as long as it's like a nice one. Um, something that's just going to make them go, oh my gosh, I have to, I, I need that. Even if it was like an extra free bottle, like go from six to seven. Because in reality- for supplements, for supplements, one of the best things to do, just a little cheat code here that I love to do for this is for this in particular, free, free bonus, we, we do it so you have to buy in two minutes is how we did it. I've only done this once and it worked really well. It was a pill bottle, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It had the company name on it and the reorder phone number. Nice. And then we also put a magnet inside, which I had done uh, with another product as well and found some success in. Put it on your refrigerator if you have any yeah. problems or need anything for customer service for reorder. But mm -hmm. that, that pill bottle, because obviously in order to test how these things work, you get a different phone number, right? For each thing. Yep. So the pill bottle has one phone number, the bottle has one phone number and the one Processing. on the, yeah. Huh? Processing for chargebacks that are- I mean, the look of the so, so the more the more you phone numbers you have in the more places, by the way, and I have I had one product that went out where the bottle had a phone number, the magnet had a phone number, the pill bottle had a phone number and the uh, insert, 
which was the letter from the doctor spokesperson with the VIP coupon code, had another phone number. You want to know what got the most phone calls? The bottle. No. Magnet? Nope. That stupid VIP coupon code, the insert. That stupid <laughs> insert that cost four cents to put in. That insert. with it. So we just had, we had a doctor spokesperson for that product. We wrote a nice letter to the client. Thank you so much for purchasing this. Want you to know that we really... Uh, are so excited that we are in your home and part of your life. And I just know this is going to do great things for you. Please set a timer on your phone or your uh, echo or whatever to make sure you take your supplement at the same time every day for the most, don't do that. You'll make it go off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have clients that set my Alexa an alarm. I was on a Skype call, got up and left and they said, Alexa, set an alarm for 4.30 AM. Yeah. And so 4.30 AM, my alarm went off. Anyway, so uh, back to what I was saying. So we, and then at the bottom, we put a VIP coupon code. By the way, the coupon code didn't even work. The customer service reps just needed um, to put, because we were just testing it. I didn't want to take the time on dev to figure it out. So um, it just had a stupid coupon code at the bottom, and it got more phone calls. It also, it also did cause the most, that's where more people called for a refund. So for huh. whatever reason, they kept track of that phone number, that piece of paper. That I, I don't know why, I have no idea why. But so what that told me was number one, my reorders come more from this incredibly cheap insert. And number two, I can prevent chargebacks by making sure that that phone number's on there. Yeah. Was that insert like glossy? Was it just like a piece of paper? How, what was it, cardstock? Was it like a- I, I, We actually tested this. So, cause I wanted to see if one beat the other. The numbers stayed pretty consistent all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, so we did three things. One was like a very, thick cardboard stock. Like you could hear it when you waved the piece of paper. Um, another one was a glossy like poster type. And then one was just a printout from, um, from uh, a regular printer. So QuickBox at the time, I don't know what they're still doing, but I love those guys over there, Renee and John and great. Um, they were the manufacturer for this client. And they, if they just ran it off the printer, they didn't care. They didn't charge them anything. So let's see if it matters if we <laughs> just send out regular pieces of paper. It didn't matter. It didn't matter at all. The numbers pretty much stayed the same. So we got rid of all the extra expenses. Why not? But yeah, bingo. Yeah. But that, that extra, but I think that that extra bonus, like we were talking about that we didn't get the, what, what I wanted from that extra bonus, the two minute, the marketer that I worked with at the time, the copywriter insisted on that two minute clock. They like mm -hmm. only get it in two minutes and it really did go away. It was one of those like BS things where the clock restarts yeah. over and over again or just stops and you can still get it. Like the bonus literally went away. If they wanted the bonus to come back, they had to go all the way back and watch the 48 minute BSL. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I was going to say, you definitely want to make it real. Don't, don't yeah, do yeah. It's, yep, sure. yep. It's a real thing. Trust the, is the, lost, especially on a small window like that. The yeah. conversion rate was well worth the cost. And it was like, I, I want to say that first we paid like eight bucks because we only bought a, you know, a small amount to make sure it worked. And then after that, we ended up getting them for like 322 because, you know, you can order this massive amount, but it, it didn't do what I wanted it to do for phone calls. Cause that's, that was the whole purpose of initiating that reorders and to decrease chargebacks, but it definitely, definitely crushed on conversions. Mm -hmm. it, it beat control. Like I, I want to say by like four times. Yeah. It's funny. I had a client, I think you and I talked about this before, Emma, that had, uh, they used like a double countdown timer as part of, part of their conversion. Mm -hmm, and they, mm -hmm. and they had it like basically in the middle of their video, I think it was in the middle of the video with like a special offer. And, um, and then it was, it was basically like, if you take advantage, you know, you get it for whatever the price was. 
Um, and the price just goes up. And then, yeah, but if you don't, you pay full price, just like everybody else. You know, it's kind of like the, the pitch. And then they'd have people who would pay for the full price, you know, they like, they would just, he would still get conversion on that. So it was like, you know, they, they put it at what they wanted it to get. And then they're like, well, let's just bump it at the end. <laughs> still gets conversion. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that could be really powerful. I think one of the other things too with free bonuses uh, or surprise bonuses um, when you're giving them something. I mean, I've even thought, I've, I had some, if you want to do something real simple, don't show what shipping price is. Just say, hey, include shipping. And then when they go to the order form, when people oftentimes want to see what are my taxes and my, my shipping going to be, what's sure. my address in there, right? Free shipping if you buy in the next 10 minutes or the next five minutes, depending on what your order form looks like. That's another thing that a lot of people don't always expect to pay shipping. Amazon keeps ruining that for everybody and, and a lot of e-com providers out there in general, same thing. So just offer, say, hey, free shipping if you buy right now. And one of the things why I think is really key to give them a free bonus within that window and putting a timer on it is it really gets the adrenaline going for a buyer standpoint. You feel like you just got like a really good deal. You made a quick decision. You're, you're happy. Your endorphins and dopamine levels are probably up. So I, and we've seen, I've seen this with multiple people that tested surprise bonus your AOV as a whole is going to increase um, because they're more likely to take your upsells, um, spend more money, mm -hmm. uh, especially if it's on the larger ones, because oftentimes you'll get people that'll click through on like the largest bundle option just to see the order for them. And now they're presented with uh, an immediate bonus, right? So instead of going back and trying to waiver and go to like a three or a one, they, they're not going to want to leave. They're just going to be like, ah, oh, crap, I better buy this right now so I don't lose this deal. So that could be the, the boost. Whatever it is, you're getting this increase not only in your conversions but in your aov because uh you're kind of sparking a new sensation by having that so um anyway so one other thing i want to mention too on the supplement side of things so that was really powerful you want to increase that initial it's what you do in the copy so the people that are getting the highest they're really framing at the end and we were really fortunate at flight club to have stefan explain this to us at, at lunch to it um when you and i were, were talking yeah about yeah yeah but going through and explaining the need to buy more. So being like, hey, mm -hmm. you know what? You don't want to, this is a cumulative process um, and understanding if you miss a week or if you miss some bottles, you're gonna see results go back or you might not continue on. You might got reach the peak that you want. You're gonna feel so great. You don't wanna spend a week not feeling good while you're waiting for your next product to come. And because of the availability of these things could be volatile and we might not be able to fulfill that and we have high demand, you know, it's why you're gonna wanna buy six bottles right now and we're going to give it to you at an amazing price. So you really structure this close all around not buying one, right? We're not just saying buy one bottle. We're saying buy six, buy seven, buy 12, whatever amount that you have. Um, and then even when you show your product image, this is one of these really stupid, easy things. Make sure that the product is six bottles when they show it. And I remember Stefan said that. I was like, that's like a no brainer. And yeah. I don't see it, but it makes total sense. Show them six bottles. They'll eventually see one bottle when they get down to your CTA section. But mentally, they're seeing and understanding that six is where I need to be for the best results. Talk to that to being the ideal customer experience, being the most expensive customer experience. Um, well, you're not going to hurt your conversions, but you'll definitely boost your AOV. Yeah, and just to clarify that, right? Because um, in the context of what Stefan was talking about, I think we let's talk about who Stefan is for a second because it's oh, something people yeah. don't know. So we're <laughs> we're talking about Stefan Georgi. He's a mastermind. Uh, copy accelerator and copy, he's, yeah. he's mastermind owner copy accelerator and um, uh, copywriting mastermind he has probably had a hundred offers in his lifetime that he's written the copy for and and ran and scaled and so we know stefan because he's in flight club with us which is another mastermind um 
So I just, just so that people know who you're trying. It's kind of yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. when someone comes up to you and she, they're like, Jan hey, said Bob. that my shirt was, pre-. like, who is Jan? Sorry, Travis. Well, so jumping back to that, right? The, the point that he was making in showing the six bottles is he was saying in the flow of your, of your sales letter, you're showing the six bottles every single time, right? So that in the mind, the consumer is seeing when I make a purchase, it's going to be six bottles subconsciously, right? So that when they get to the option to choose, do I want to get one, three or six? Well, I've been looking at six the whole way through the sales letter seven different times before I got there. And so it makes that conversion easier to happen because at the higher, at the higher conversion, because it's essentially planted in their, in their mind to buy six. And a great, a great thing to, another thing to mention that copy that I was like to see is use social pressures in terms of, we find that the best results and the best, most committed customers buy this amount, which is why we made it the most affordable price. Why we're giving, giving it away. I can't, I'm not even making a profit out this because I want people to have the best experience. Because what you're now saying is like, if people segment themselves to the kind of people that want to have the best results, they have to get six bottles. I want to be somebody that's committed. You want to be someone's committed. Well, to show that you're committed, you need to buy six. Um, and we love to segment ourselves. Uh, so it, it, one of the best experiments you've seen on that was the whole like tip thing. I'm sure you guys have seen that where this coffee shop in New York, they started changing their tip containers, not to say tips, but it'd say cats or dogs, Batman or Superman. Right. And then people would vote using their dollars. They saw a huge lift in their, in the amount of tips that they're collecting. That's and the brilliant. Engagement. That's brilliant. Tips. But what they did is people said, well, I'm a cat person. I want everyone to know that I'm a cat person. So I'm going to put my dollar in there to identify and label myself as a cat person. So when you're doing that in your copy, giving people the opportunity to select themselves and then even taking your package and bundle to be synonymous with, you know, this could be a top performance, best value, best performance bundle of six mm-hmm. bottles. Those are things that are going to really carry because I'm segmenting myself as a type of buyer and a persona that, that, that fits what, whatever my ideal is. So I think that's a really key thing to also mention. And I, I've seen take rates with upsells, especially when there's acceleration kind of products say, hey, our customers get the best results. If you want to get the best results, they all bought this product. So, you know, put in there tends to really boost, uh, boost those take rates when you use those social pressures and um, categorization, self-categorization. Yeah, I wonder if you could do that. Uh in a direct response campaign and you know apply that in some way that'd be interesting to, to play with you know the cats and dogs oh. tipping and stuff right like here's this price for i don't know whatever or upsells i don't know <laughs> maybe not the cats and dogs but, yeah, but you're looking at an opt-in and cta buttons like instead of it being like no i don't want to be blah blah blah, blah i think it would be interesting to try something like um AB. where it's like hey i'm i'm committed to being like i'm a healthier person getting i'm a healthy person getting healthier or I'm a peak performer. So to say, hey, are you a peak performer? Yes. And that, that ends up being your CTA button. I was like, no, like I don't want great results or I'm, I'm a quitter, something like that. I think it'd be great if you had really negative <laughs> copy. So I don't know. Copy a lot of it's because of Facebook, but where you're really just telling people for a whole sales page, hey, you suck. You're one of these people. You suck. And then people that suck do X, Y, and Z. Duh, 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 duh. Like if you want to stop sucking, buy my product. And so it's like, you could literally put, Winners and losers. It could be no bounces you off the page and go away. Winners, you click on that and you go to the order form. But you really have to commit to the idea of like, hey, Tommy was a pile of crap and he was a loser and he lived in his mom's basement. And it's because he blamed the world for every everything that went wrong to him. And, you know, like you're probably Tommy. If you found yourself opening your email or clicking on this ad, it's because you are Tommy. Like, do you want to keep being Tommy? Like, no, you don't. Well, 
buy my program and I'll tell you how to stop being a Tommy and start being a Timmy. So not to insult anybody named Tommy out there, but um, <laughs> that kind of negative spin would be interesting from a categorization standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that uh, would work in weight loss. Like, I, I, you know, I think it would. It's, I think it would too. I want to test it. I think the problem is people feel uncomfortable doing negative. And to be fair, it doesn't look good. If you pull <laughs> negative marketing copy, like, and say, hey, look what this company's saying. Like, it is super mean, right? It's built up being mean and breaking down people's confidence. I mean, it's what, it's what the military does, right? If you break down every bit of confidence and self-identification you have, I can now rebuild you in whatever way I want. So negative copy does a similar thing, like pull out, make people look and face their deepest insecurity and be like, you are that person. And now you could just kind of soft sell and say, but if you don't want to be anymore, here's the way to do it. Yeah, I think that that's actually, well, I think I'm going to test this actually. Um, no, seriously, I think I'm going to test this on a weight loss product. Look, let's like take um, somebody overweight riding one of the scooters in the grocery store because they can't walk because they're so overweight. Yeah. This is your great. fault. Stop right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> Travis is like, no, no, Travis, no, no. We're doing it, Travis. We're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> to be fair, a lot of people do because they think it's one of those things that, they forget that a lot of these products are purchased behind closed doors. Right, 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 right. We're all people actually, people actually feel that way. Stop, stop, stop going to the movie theater and not being able to fit in the seat. Stop intruding on other people's face on an airplane. Stop not being well, able to fit at, on the roller coaster. Stop not being able to walk to the store and have to hang off the sides of an electric scooter. This is your fault. It's even, today. <laughs> it's even saying things like, look at P90X. You can't do this. This is hard. Yeah. Hey, you'll lose a lot of weight, but like you're, you can't. This is not it. for, you know. 98% of you yeah, people exactly. that are going to buy it. Yeah. Sean, I love yeah. Sean. But, if yeah, but it's 2%. Like, they use more negative marketing. They're like saying, like, they're not talking about them. It's like, this is hard. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. People are sweating and they're in shape and fit. And you're like, well, shit, I could never do this. But I'm like, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Like, I could never do this. But um, do you remember Sean's first ad? He had people crying in the back. Do you remember his first ad? Like, oh, you don't remember that? No, okay, and so I was his, in like the DRTV stuff. His, his, so it, it was, wait, I'm, I'm thinking of Sean and um, Insanity, not P90X. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Same thing. Same, same thing, same thing, same thing. So it, I just realized that, but Insanity, right? So when he came out with his ad, like it's all these people and they are like super fit, all of them have ripped abs. Their arms are like perfectly, not too big, but not too small. Either. They're beautifully toned. And they're doing this workout. And Travis said, it's not you. Stop pointing at yourself. So I wish people could see you sometimes. So then you, you can see off in the back, like people just are dropping down and they just start crying because they're in so much pain. And he's like, this is not for the light of at heart. I was like, I'm not buying that. <laughs> Who would do that to themselves? You. But then there's a part of you that sits there and goes like, oh, I'm not that person. I totally bought I it, dude. I, I totally bought it. Yeah, I, to- I totally bought, bought it. it, dude. And I did the workout like four times and my stomach hurts so, and I'm totally not a wuss either, but I bought like, because I'm not a wuss, Travis. You make that. So it had a beginner and intermediate and an advanced and like the stupidest person ever. I bought the advanced. So I did it like four times on an awful pain. And then I had to go buy the beginner and work my way through it over the course of a year. How dare you tell me I'm a beginner. I'm advanced. This is, yeah. like self, this is self-electing basically, right? What we we're just talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, essentially. Yeah. No, totally it's, who, it's who we want to be. I and actually go full circle. If we want to go back to survival, don't tell them you need to be prepared. Tell them they're not. You're not. Yeah, no, exactly. You're sitting here thinking all day, like that 
you, you're ready to handle this. Like there's an unstoppable force coming your way that you're not prepared for. In fact, like no. When's the last time you lit a fire outside without matches? Yeah, right. Like they're not prepared. My yeah, daughter yeah. yelled out yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty funny. From across the house, she was like, hey. <laughs> Because I actually do make her do that stuff, but um, <laughs> but not because we're crazy, because we think it's fun. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's brilliant. That's some great, great, great advice. And I, I do know that there are a lot of people trying to jump into the survival space right now for you know all the reasons that you're talking about. We um we met these. Can I talk about the guys that we met? You know what I'm talking about? The evangelist video. Can I talk about that? Uh, we'll, we'll find out. Okay. We'll just, we'll edit it if we have to. So, so I meet these guys like a year and a half ago ish. I won't say where I met them or who they are, but they had this survival tool. Right. And it was like, Oh my God, it's so great. It was like the shovel. And then the top of it came out and it was a fishing pole and the side came out and it was a flint. So you could start a fire. Right. $14.99, something like that. Here's where they were running their ads. The evangelists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like live feed, not live feeds, but recorded feeds of their sermons. In the middle of it, the ad would pop up on YouTube. Are you ready for when Jesus comes? <laughs> You're not prepared. Uh, come be part of God's army. Click now. Nuts. Yeah. I mean, with biblical stuff, as someone <laughs> that was raised Catholic, I was an altar boy. Like I You just understood. told me you were Mormon. Well, I said, but both. So just so you know, like I was raised Catholic. I then joined the church as an adult. Apocalyptic fear is is huge. Like end of days mm -hmm. is huge. And so when you go to those conservative sources, you can tie something to that. Because they um, connect and resonate with the audience. Driver. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a huge driver. I would argue it's one of the biggest drivers to motivate people buying things. Like I won't go into all the psychology. We could have a conversation some other time behind that. But, but just know that that biblical ties to the end of days isn't just now. I mean, that has been working for millennia ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much since organized religion started talking about end of days, it's worked, right? Like it's always worked and it will continue to work. Um, so just obviously I think from a compliance perspective, be careful how you go about that stuff. I mean, uh, if we're on ClickBank, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, <laughs> not true. But I will, here's, here's my shameless plug. If you're worried about compliance and you like to run survival or supplement products, remember we run all of our products through an FDA and FTC compliance for free to tell you, make sure that you're going to be able to sell you the most aggressive things you can without having a regulatory agency come out. So let you know how big of a fine you'll get when you get sued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Now I think when we were talking, I, I can't remember exactly what we were talking about. We were talking about segmenting out audiences um, and affiliates and, and segmenting out maybe how you're, how you're communicating to different lists when we're marketing and, and getting some conversion and bumps from that perspective, I think, um, you know, like whether you have like newbies or you have like people who are uh, more content or thought leadership or influencers. Do you remember having that conversation? I don't remember having that conversation okay. you guys, but <laughs> I've talked about it recently. So it's totally, um, and I don't, I, anyway, but yeah. So I think one thing that I've seen when we're talking about affiliate marketing, that's really yeah. powerful people is, is a lot of people take one affiliate approach for, Oh, Emma, you're, you're pointing Nope. You're not supposed to say that. It's a video. This is this is my way of cueing him. Now you you have caused so many edits between your nonstop talk about politics, religions, and all of your swearing. I'm not going to take accountability for all of Emma's actions. I feel like that's a scary, especially on a recording. I do not you know, want to be like 
saying, I'm sorry for what Emma does. That's, that feels like an eternal thing I'll be doing for the rest live of my life. Forever, so yeah. Well, I'll just do a real quick thing on this. I think okay, it's okay. just important as you're going out, if you're trying to use affiliates, remember that affiliate needs um, vary so much depending on how they're engaging with their audiences. Mm -hmm. So the big question I'd ask you depends on when you're going out and reaching and talking to affiliates um, is one, understand your current marketing assets. Who do they work with? Yeah. What type of affiliates they work with? Are they influencers? Are they content marketers? Are they, um, you know, some newbie that's just kind of spinning around trying stuff? Or is this like a performance marketer in the direct response space with a, a swath of emails? They're just pumping things out because they have an acquisition model in their business. Like understand that your marketing, your copy, your swipes, your creative assets, all, all those things change based on those mediums. Um, so one, know what works for you right now. And then as you engage new affiliates, understand what works for them. A couple of big tips I would tell you is, if you think it's worth your while, this is an affiliate that's big, substantial, ask them two questions. One, what was your most, give me the top three most recent offers, like offers that worked for you. So you can go look at those sales pages. Next, ask to be on their mailing list or whatever form they're going to engage with their um, audience, whether that be YouTube, Instagram, whatever it might be, just find what it is and take like a week of time or whatever time they're engaging with them and see how they're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, then tailor your creative for them or take creative that you already have existing that you think would fit and plug it in. Um, and you'll find yourself just getting a much larger lift from your affiliates because you're not going to get misfits. Lots of times people test something, you send them the wrong creative to their audience. And it's not that it, it's not that your offer wouldn't convert. It's just that it was, it wasn't aligned in the best way possible. And so you lose that affiliate from a long-term relationship because they're going to see and go, ah, oh, this sucked. And then they're just going to move on to something else. Um, so that's just an easy easy way to spend a little more time on the front end, get a lot more back-end success for you, especially with using affiliates. Okay, interesting. Um, Emma, is there anything else that we should um, make sure we touch on before we begin to wind down a little bit today? Mm. Can't think of anything that would be a quick conversation. Like everything was, because <laughs> Kyle's great. Like he's, I, know. I, I love his, I, you know what? Can you explain the difference between data and analytics to everybody? Because I do love when you, when you, so I've seen Kyle twice now tear people down and be like, no, 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 no. That's not analytics. That's data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think the biggest thing with data and analytics is remember data is just numbers, right? These are just numbers flowing through analytics are taking that data and be able to make decisions based off of it. So oftentimes you get people that spout data. They're saying, here's my analytics. Here's AOV. Well, that's not really analytics. That's just data. What are you doing with that? What is it telling mm -hmm. you? Analytics is an explanation of a story using data. Um, and don't mix the two up. Uh, oftentimes people mix that up and they're just throwing data out there without making actual decisions and changing things. Um, so, so that's a big thing you need to remember when you're throwing out numbers. Why does that number exist? And what does it mean to you or two mm -hmm. questions that you should be asking yourself anytime you see data to turn it into analytics. Are there um, primary analytics that you look at to reveal the story to yourself when you're looking at a campaign or you're working with a client to look at the campaigns? Oh, that's, that's always so hard because... I think if you go into any, if you're trying to do like a deep dive, um, there's some quick check throughs, right? Like if I, I was, if I'm thinking list management, I'm pretty agnostic, like, like PPM. Um, I'm just, I'm going to say, did it make me enough money on my thresholds? Right. Then I don't really care about anything after that, unless I'm really invested. But if say I was the, the offer owner and something didn't perform, um, I, I don't think you need to go into it looking at one number. You need to go into it with curiosity. So I, I'd probably start with what were yeah. my conversions? What were my EPCs? I'm going to go, what was the take rate? What was the, or sorry, not take rate. What was the open rate? 
Um, what were my click-throughs? Um, I'm gonna look at the take rates through the upsells. And I'm just gonna start asking questions. I'm gonna be curious, does this make sense to me? Does this number feel like it fit my expectation? If it doesn't, I'm gonna go dig deeper into that to understand why, what's happening with it. Can I explain it to somebody? Um, that does it make sense to even myself? Um, so if you're really trying to uncover something, you're trying to look through data, I wouldn't tell you to say, look at flags and markers, right. just be curious and understand the data. If you don't understand it, dive deeper until you do. Right, where'd it come from? What's it telling me? So much more successful because what happens is someone tells you, well, if your AOV isn't 105 and you think that's the only thing you need to do, you're going to go down rabbit holes that are going to like, because things will change, right? Maybe 105 is right for a certain offer, but it's right. not right at the end of the day, it's just make money, right? Well, whatever's going to make the affiliate the most money, whatever's going to give me the most ability to acquire customers at the highest price possible and still be profitable. Like those are, those are big kind of questions. And there's a lot of different ways to get to the right answer, depending on your offer and your situation. So don't get myopic and think that you have to have one number that's going to solve all that for you. Um, you just need to be able to be curious and delve in the numbers for each situation. So you could always dynamically changing and being successful. Cool. Um, with that, I think we should probably wrap up. But Kyle, before we leave, I want to make sure that um, I want to get your your take on maybe some groups that are available where, you know, places that you hang out online, um, places where maybe some resources for people to jump in and connect with you or connect uh, to some groups to dive a little bit further into some of these conversations or to reach out to you directly. Yeah, well, I, I'd say the first one, if you're ever looking for just good groups or anything, um, the direct response marketing partners on Facebook is like, the best yeah. every single person we've had on our podcast that's been the first thing that they've said it's so funny yeah, it's, it's just a great source for that um you know outside that shameless plug follow um clickbank's content so we actually are going to be launching a podcast ourselves not to compete means, but um in january blog post i have guest blog posts there often um and then outside that anytime you want to just talk if you have questions or anything in here you want to talk about clickbank or marketing in general um, feel free to, to reach out to me at kyle.costeca, which will be somewhere at clickbank.com. I obviously I don't want to spell it out for you, but kyle.costeca, I hope we'll put it in some description links at clickbank.com. Just reach out to me and ask any questions. Fantastic. All right. Well, with that, my email out. What was that? Until I regret that I gave my email out. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we'll list it in the description also for the podcast. Um, so, okay. So with that, we'll include that. Um, Kyle, thank you so much for jumping in and joining us. Twice. Uh, thank you for jumping yeah. in twice and joining us. So it like when I listened to it, I was like, man, we got to get him back on. That stinks. I'm sorry. But we're glad you were able to do it with so us. Yeah. It was a great lesson learned because I had no idea that my kids were so um, audibly, I guess you could hear them that much on the recording. <laughs> I wasn't aware. <laughs> no worries. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Shockwave Solutions, please visit our website, follow us on Facebook, or email emma at shockwavesolutionsllc.com.